friends, then welcome to the No BS Guide to Life with me, Bangs in London. And me, Lamar, in New York. Yay! Hey! What up, what up, what up, what up, what up, what up? How's everybody? How is everybody? Did you do what we asked you last week? Let's start with that. Did you talk to your neighbour and a stranger? Yes, did I did. You? I did. Genuinely. Uh, thank you for doing that for both of us. Oh, God damn it, Lamara. Um, I said hello. I waved. I feel like that counts. No, no, I did. Wait, I take it back. I spoke to the guy that lives two doors down who has the sickest number plate in memory of his mum. It says, Ma, I miss you as his number plate with one S and the letter U. He just said, hey, how you doing? I said, hi, I'm good. How are you? He said, I'm great. So I did. I totally forgot. It's hot. My brain frizzles. Yeah, I know it counts. Wicked. Yes. Right, shall we just dive in? Let's just get into it. I don't have anything to call bullshit on this week, which I know seems a bit weird given the time that we are living through in life. But basically, you know, to live in the UK at the moment is to be navigating a veritable quagmire of bullshit on a daily basis. And so I just feel like if I was to get into it, it's too much. I'm trying to rise above, Lamara. I'm trying to rise above. You know what I'm saying? I'm just trying to stay sane these times here. So I'm not going to delve into bullshit. Protect yourself. There's too much. It's too much, man. So I'm rising above. It's a lot. It's a lot. Flowers. It's a lot. Glitter. Crystals. Like, I'm just, I'm all of the, I'm just zenning out. I'm zenning out. It's like a shield around me. Just like, not going to penetrate my bullshit force field. I like, I like where you're going with that. So you have no bullshit. And I too operate of the same let me not let anything disturb my force field, cross my path, my yes. mind. However, but, <laughs> but sometimes you be trying to zen out, mm. you know, with all the fuckery that's going on and something will happen to be like, oh, hell to the nah. I, I do have bullshit this week. I'm calling bullshit. It's, it's post-Brexit. Oh, what a wonderful time to be alive. Not. Um, I'm calling bullshit on this safety pin for immigrant solidarity that mm. I've been reading about and seeing. Talk about it. Uh, talk about it. Here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. What the fuck does a safety pin do? No, like, really explain to me how that denotes solita- solidarity Um, that you're down for a cause. Now, people, I can hear you already from the back and the rafters showing, but we do wear things to pledge our allegiance. I'm not opposed to wearing a poppy. I wear pins for different um, charitable causes. I will will do that. Here's the thing with a safety pin, with, with this exception. Don't wear a safety pin when I'm getting shouted at at the bus. Don't wear a safety pin when the corner shop is being bombed because it's run by Polish or Pakistani families. Don't wear a safety pin and then don't pipe up at times when I actually need your voice and your solidarity in action rather than a safety pin. I'm very wary that this kind of oh, I kind see. of excuses people actually taking action. It's quite passive. It's very passive. Now, again, people shouting from the rafters and the back. Well, sometimes that's the only action we have. No, like the the world, London, England, that you've exposed yourself to be and how shit's going to play out for the next couple of months. I don't need passive. I need active resistance. I need to know 
that all my brown and black brothers and sisters, they're getting shouted at and told to F off home and go back to their country, right? Who are getting shouted out for speaking, I saw this thing the other day, for speaking a different language. And someone said, oh, if you're going to be in England, talk your language. She was like, I'm speaking Welsh. But it was a person of colour. Like, I don't want you to stand there with your safety pin. I want you to actively step in to the fray and be like, I'm here as support for you. We talked a lot about allyship. Now, a lot of non-POCs that I know that allies don't walk around wearing a badge showing they're down for black and brown causes. They are just about black and brown causes. They talk on it, they speak on it. They, they are there at the sidelines with me. Yeah. That's what I need. So that's why I call bullshit on it. Because as we were saying before, I think it's very self-congratulatory. I, I've got the safety pin. Yeah. You know, I'm, I, I believe, I believe, you know, I'm, I'm here to support. And yeah. But you're not support. actually doing anything. I see what no, you mean. No. That's interesting because when, when I first saw that come out, I was kind of, I was not necessarily against it. I was just a bit kind of like, meh, okay. And then I saw people of colour really rip it into it. And I thought, Mm. okay, let me listen listen to this conversation because I need to understand why. So I'm glad that you've brought it up because I hadn't actually thought about it from that perspective. And now that we've talked about it, I'm like, it is actually really fucking passive. And it's self-congratulatory. It it is, it is. And I think, you know, Twitter, Twitter being the great, the great stream that is, it was someone created um, like a little meme or image. You know the safety clip, the, the paper clip that used to pop up on Microsoft Word to oh help God, you? God, yeah, freaking drive me nuts. At like every second, someone was like, POCs, this is our new racism ally. Right. Our anti-racism <laughs> oh, ally. What's the safety clip? Yeah. What's the safety clip going to do? Yeah. I just think it's, it's a gesture without meaning. It helps people feel better and like they're doing something about it when they're actually not really, you know, you know like, yeah, I, I, as you say, it's just, you, you know, if, if you see something happening and I think that... See the, something, say something. It, right, exactly that. I think the woman who started it was like, I want people to know if they're being abused in the street, they can come and, you know, if they see someone wearing a safety pin, they can come and sit well, with us and blah, blah, blah. how big is your safety pin? On, yeah, on the on, level. Also on that. The level. <laughs> also that. Facts. Facts. But, but I, right. did, I did kind of think when I initially saw it, like I did think, okay, there's something wrong with that logic of like, oh, it's the responsibility of the person being abused to come and seek out. you out and find I'm someone stupid. with a safety pin. I thought, well, if you, you know, if you, if you see someone being abused, why would you not get up and say something and help and out in that situation? It's yeah, like I've seen, I saw another, oh, man, sometimes Twitter, saw a video of a guy in Manchester oh, who that had was altercation on a bus. Awful. awful. Basically, you know, <laughs> Go back to your own country. Like, sorry, my accents are not one. Listen, but all of that shit. Things. And people were like, oh, this is despicable. Oh, when my man was like, I'll get off the bus, did anyone say, I'll back it for you, fam? Mm. You know? Because if it's got, like, I do not promote violence. If it's going to come to blows, it's going to come to blows. Like, that's, like, we've seen it. It happens. History has, has told that tale. In that moment, I, I'm not looking for safety pin army. I'm looking for even the people shielding me from this lunatic, people shouting back in my defence, you know. Yeah. And someone's like, I do not feel like this. I, well, maybe half a stripe of a good point for you. I know you don't feel like this, but where was the rest of the bus? Yeah. I think it takes more than a safety pin. Now the times we're in to shut down a lot of this xenophobia yeah. and this racist views that, that we're living in. Like, it's, it's more than that. So I call bullshit on that because... I feel you. 
it, I, I just I don't see I don't see the merit of the worth in this example what that can do I get you and I think it is just a way for people to feel as though they're doing something but actually you really do need to just do something <laughs> about it yes yeah I feel yeah. you you're completely right it is bullshit you're right yeah yeah um Good shit. Good Let's turn shit. that brown upside down. Yeah. Start the jingle. Mine okay. or yours? You go. No, you got two, bruv. I got two. I think I had a third as well, but now I've forgotten it. So um, easy. Yeah. Let me. Yeah. So over, much. So many over, good things. Overdoing a bit much, fam. Know, overdoing it a bit I much. Know. So, <laughs> so many good things. My first good shit would be uh, Russell Brand was on Joe Rogan's podcast a couple of weeks ago, but I just got around to listening to it this week. And, okay, so I'll be the first to admit I'm a little bit in love with Russell Brand. I just enjoy what he's about. Used to think he was a complete and utter tosser, and I think he'd be the first to admit that he was that. But you know when you see the change and growth in someone? Like, this is a man who has really done a lot of work on himself and is constantly seeking truth and enlightenment. And I just really enjoy hearing him speak about a great many things but this particular conversation on joe rogan's podcast it's like three hours long i mean you got oh wow it's a it's a deep dive um get it but he's just fascinating he's funny and charming and all of that but he's just a fascinating individual with a lot of good things to say that's really just genuinely out here just trying to spread good shit into the world and i just really admire that about someone and i also really like this particular podcast and Joe Rogan's podcast in general, I think is actually just a really good exploration of men sharing feelings, which is something that we don't, we don't often hear a lot of. And so this is just a really insightful conversation between Russell Brand, Joe Rogan, and there's a third dude who, forgive me, I can't remember his name for the life of me, but anyway, it's three dudes just really talking about some real shit. And it's it's a perspective that we don't, we're not usually that exposed to. And so it, was, it made for just some really good listening that gave me the feels at a lot of moments. So that's definitely good shit. Second good shit, Jesse Williams. Oh, just, God ju- just in heaven. Everything just about Jesse Williams. Being, for being Jesse. <laughs> First of all, for him existing. For, for him existing <laughs> in this world. Yeah. To just be this man on my... Oh, I've never been yeah. in love with a screen so much in my yeah. life. So Jesse Williams, for those of you who've been under a rock. Speak on it. He gave this incredible... I think he won a Humanitarian of the Year award or something at the BET Awards this past week. And he gave this speech that I honestly, and I don't mean for this to sound hyperbolic, but I genuinely do think that that is going to go down as one of the speeches about race of all time. Of all time. I'm actually going to say that because it was so freaking powerful. And the thing about Jesse Williams is that he's not just kind of... An, an opportunistic race warrior, as it were. He's he about that life. He's about and it. woke. Yeah, exactly. Both of those things. Cute and woke. But he, he doesn't just use that platform when it's beneficial. He's about that life yeah. 24-7. He's, you know, talking about these issues. And I just have, like, mad respect for him and, and for using that moment to say something so powerful and making more people aware of okay white people making white people aware of (laughs) the bullshit call a spade a spade of the bullshit that we do and i'd also like to say to white people who don't understand shit just sit down and shut the fuck up just listen Mm. to what this dude is saying rather than getting fucking defensive every single fucking time someone tries to talk about race just shut the fuck up and listen to what the guy is saying there is not one thing in there 
that I can be like, oh, that's bullshit. Not one thing in that speech. Yeah, yeah. Well, unless, it's just unless you're a little man like Justin Timberlake who caught some fu- feelings. How did, he manage, to, how did he manage to all lives matter that situation? Justin, Justin oh. you of all people should have been sitting down. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you, you of all people, listen, don't get, for, the lo- <laughs> for the longest time, you like... Listen to an Innocent CD without seeing who was on the cover. I was like, oh, who's this brother? Not a brother. Then you want to cane row your hair. So sit down and listen, Justin. He was not talking about you, but he was kind of talking about you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. speak on it, Bangs, because I co-sign with this speech, bruv. It's poignant, poetic, powerful. We'll post the uh, we'll full transcription and the video. Yeah. It was really a, ooh, Jesse moment, like... Snatching wigs, giving knowledge, telling the truth. Yeah, it, exactly that. And I just love the moment where it cut to his parents in the crowd who just had like super proud faces. It, it really is a speech that is worth hearing. And mm-hmm. I think it's really going to go down as one of the best speeches of our time. There's a lot to be said for art, productions of visual art, musical art and like real life shit that are dealing with these issues in really, really good ways, who are not letting it sweep under the carpet anymore. We spoke about Beyonce. Let's talk about Beyonce and Kendrick's freedom performance at BET. I don't know if I can, because I'm still not over it. I, like, <laughs> I don't know if I can even. I'm still just like, yeah. whew, Lord. But yes, continue. You know, there's TV shows where I'm like, rah, okay, you, you went in. And then we have speeches like this. So for visibility, you know, it's interesting because I had a bit of a text debate with my mate. She was like, yeah, yeah, visibility, but where's the action? Where's the change? And I don't want to get into that, but I'm very much here for the more we talk about issues at whatever level, it's all about the conversation sometimes. Let's keep having them. Let's not erase them. Let's not, you know, sweep them under the carpet. Action is there, but action is all also in the people doing these things and making them political statements in their own. So that's a great thing to call good shit on, Bangs. Thanks. It was good shit. What do you call good shit on this week? I call good shit on visitors. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I do, I do like when people come and visit me. I'm not a million miles away, only 3,792 apparently. It's a lot. Not, it's a lot, it's a lot. But yeah, I call good shit on visitors. People who just come and visit and hang out for long summers and spend their time with me and spend their time in New York City. I've had a few since I've moved here. It's always nice to get that little piece of home. Yeah. I, at times, forget how much I miss a good English accent or just someone in your tribe who you can automatically relate to and just pick up where you left off. So it signals, visitors uh, always signal um, good things to come. So that's my, that's my good shit. I love that. It's good. And I, I know, having lived abroad many times, how important those visits are. So I definitely call good shit on that too. Yes. I love it. Right. Shall we get into it? Yeah. We got, we got, we got an interesting show today, guys. We're doing something a little different. We're doing, starts a little something like this. But we're going to do, this show is going to be based around 36 questions. It's an article that has popped up a while, um, been there and about. I think I even saw a TED talk about it, about this woman who found love through this 36 questions um, test. Basically, going through this 36 questions all about love to bring you closer to your proposed partner but we think it can apply to friendships as well. So we are going to ask each other 
various of the 36 questions, not all 36, because then we'd be here for a couple hours, in the way that you can get to know more about us, we can learn about more each other, you can then try it on your friends. And it's just going to be a different type of show. Like, there's a lot of things, if you go back and listen to the podcast, we've dealt with really big, hefty topics. Let's just break it down and, like, do some one-on-one stuff this week, bruv. How do you feel? What do you think, Bangs? Is that, that's what we're doing, isn't it? That's an accurate description of what's about to go down in here, yeah. Yeah. It's about to go... Down. It's an opportunity I mean, for it. you, for you listeners, to to learn a bit more about us as well, because we kind of just yeah. dove into this thing without even really telling you anything about us. So maybe, yeah, you know, money is Amara, Henny's bangs. There yeah. you go. Like, right. But who are we really? Let's dig into it this week. Girl, <laughs> all right. Do, do you want to start? Who wants to start? Which way are we going to do this? Oh, you fam, you fam. Okay, let me find a question. All right, well, let me start with the first one. Given the choice of anyone in the world, whom would you want as a dinner guest? I'm probably going to come back and be like, oh, I wish I would have said this person, like, later. But it really is Barack Obama. I Well, that's a stellar choice, yeah. Yeah, I feel like just because I was... I was there's a couple of articles I was flicking through this week about what Barack Obama means to black children and another one of behind-the-scenes photography in the White House that... I mean, we all know he's human, but really show his empathetic side and his human nature and the kind of like dad Obama, chill Obama, playing basketball Obama, giving you a spud Obama. So I'd really like to invite him around for dinner because I just think it would be the most chill experience. It wouldn't be pretentious. It wouldn't be like I could literally cook him craft macaroni and cheese with a side salad and brother would be happy because it's about the company and the conversation i'm also really interested on in obama post presidency of this new side of him we really know he doesn't really give a fuck like with most things right now (laughs) and when he is he's like people are starting to pop off like this obama's coming out so yeah i would i want to have him as a dinner guest repeatedly yeah and just shoot shit and maybe sit on my stoop and um, drink a cup of tea I think the conversation would be really interesting yeah. really really interesting because outside of like the calibre of his presidency I just think he's got some cool life advice to give people yeah. that I'm dying to hear Michelle can come too but yeah Barack yeah. primarily yeah good answer thank you yeah. and are we, am I giving you the question back or am I picking you a new one no oh, give it you back yeah, uh, yeah I would go with David Simon who wrote The Wire Oh my God, you would. Yes, I know you would. Because. Because. Obviously. Because Ovi. Ovi, I'm a massive fan of The Wire. Um, the biggest but, out there. But also, just any interview that I've heard David Simon do. So he, he, he started off as a journalist, worked for the Baltimore Sun, and he's just a freaking fascinating dude who's just so knowledgeable about politics and has an opinion on everything. I've always just found him really interesting to kind of listen to about just the state of society and where we're going Mm. as a culture and all of that. And I just could kind of like shoot the shit with him for hours, I feel. And um, mainly just listen to him, to be honest, because I just think he's a very knowledgeable man about a great many things. So I think I'd like to have him as a dinner guest. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So my next question to you. Go on. When did you last sing to yourself or to someone else? Oh, this morning. I sing to myself all the time. <laughs> I sing to myself all the time. Obviously, I work with music day in, day out. And yeah. so, yeah, I sing to myself all the time. I sing to my dog all the time. Stringer Bell enjoys it. We make up little tunes, you know. He, I mean, he can't really 
answer. No, there's, he's a captive audience. He has. He to deal wags with it. his tail in agreement. He, he has to just deal with it. He mainly kind of looks fairly unimpressed when I do it, but you know, one day I'm going to turn that around. One day he'll be excited about it. But yeah, no, I sing all the time. I don't sing in front of people because I don't really need to subject people to that. But you know, I'm a freaking great shower singer. I'm awesome at that. Okay. When did you learn sing? <laughs> Listen. So yesterday, yesterday at work, everyone had left early. I stayed back to do some work. And I took this opportunity of no one being in the office to turn the Sonos full blast to some total notorious B.I.G. Can't You See? Diddy bopped all around the office and was singing. Like, but not in that moment. I just find I'm a huge sucker and lover for R&B, any type of baby making slow jam music. So when when I'm in control of Sonos at work and regardless of who's around, I'm always humming or trying to hit some type of falsetto. I feel no way about singing to other people. I know I, here's the thing. I know I can't sing. I'm not trying to sing. I know I can't. Yeah. So it's purely about the enjoyment. Um, so pretty much yesterday, the day before, in the shower, um, <laughs> every on day. the subway platform, <laughs> every day. Every I, day and I, I, I think people, I really like when I see People singing and walking down the street or shacking out on subway platforms. <gasps> I kind of love that too. It's such I like love that. such just so joyous. You so, know? Like, oh I love it. You don't care. You don't care. You're in your own yeah. world. Like yeah. so yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good air, one. Air day. Air day. All right. Let me pick Go. another one for you. Okay. If you were able to live to the age of 90 and retain either the mind or body of a 30-year-old for the last 60 years of your life, which would you want? Mind. Me too, every time. Mind. Listen, bruv, listen. What? I've got to be just working out every day, but I'm crazy. Gravity means everything goes south. So me... Happen. I don't care who you are. It's look, look flawless when I'm 90 anyway. If you've seen if you've seen our parents, we're doing good because they're looking great. Mind, mind is really important to me. I think that's one of the things. And there's some questions that we'll probably talk about, touch on like our family relationships as well. But I know for me, my dad has always said, Namara, if I get old and I start losing my faculties, like cut, we're done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But as I think about aging. My mind is the one I want to keep. I always want to be curious. I always want to be reading. I always want to be involved in active debates. I never want to lose like the my faculties of reason and understanding and and the basic intelligence that I do have. So my mind is really really but also like peace of mind knowing that I can calm a situation through thoughts and I just think that's really important. Like my 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 granddad had dementia. My grandma also had a stroke and passed away from a stroke. Mm. So I've seen the effects it can have. Like, my granddad was near 80, and I never forget one day ran for a bus and beat me. I felt so shamed in my life. So it's not about the body and it being like a 30-year-old. It's about your mental and how you preserve that. And I know there's a lot of things that that, that, that can take that away. So for me, mind, 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 mind. 
Yeah, me uh, What about you? Every yeah, you time. said that too. Mind as Every well. time, innit? Yeah. Getting something like Alzheimer's or something absolutely petrifies me. The thought yeah. of that. I, that yeah. is something I am really scared about when I get older. And, and for my parents as well. Like, I, yeah. you know, they're obviously both in really good health now. But you never know, right? Like, which way these things are going to go. And that, it would, that would absolutely devastate me if that was to happen to anyone in my family, really. Uh, I know people who've gone through that with family members. And it is just, it's such a devastating disease. It's that, you know, to, to literally lose your mind is, yeah. I can't think of anything yeah. more heartbreaking. I work out every goddamn day of my life, literally, right now. Mm. And... Uh, I'm fine with with not being in shape when I'm 90. Who who am I trying to look in shape for then? Who am I trying to look Listen, in shape for? By that point, I've, I've been around long enough to not give a fuck. You know what I'm saying? Bruv, no one has slided into your DMs when you're 90. It's Maybe I don't I mean, know. We don't want to go there. My next question to you: If you could wake up tomorrow having gained any one quality or ability, what would it be? Oh, to, and, spe- and, to speak another language. Bruv, get out of my mind. I've always said this about you. You exist in this little pocket. <laughs> we do have a lot of the same thoughts. We so do, weird. we um, do. But do. no, that, that, I think that would be it for sure. I feel so ashamed when I go so to other dumb. countries. So I feel dumb. like such a dickhead when I go to other countries and I can't speak the language, especially French. My, my mother can speak fluent French. Oh my God. Yeah, I know. She's such She's a freaking badass from head to toe. So she lived in Paris when she was about 20. She just moved there, like, on the fly. Not, and di- knew no French, non-French, non-whatsoever. And non- she became... Non-French. She was an au pair, and she just learned through being there. Wow. And she's fluent. So when I was at school and doing my GCSEs and that, my, obviously it was really useful for me because I was doing French. My mum was at home and could kind of help me out with the French homework and stuff. And I was actually, I was decent at it at GCSE level. And I always wish I'd have tried to take that further. Like I should have done it at A level. I should have maybe had that as some form mm-hmm. of studies during my degree. I really wish I'd have kept it up because I think that's the thing with languages is that you just have to continue to practice it and I moved to Japan knowing not one lick of Japanese and I got there and tried to learn some when I was there and it's an incredible I mean of all the languages like in fairness Japanese is really fucking hard and I did the best I could and again I think you you do you learn more than you think you do just Mm -hmm. from being around it every day and hearing it every day Mm -hmm. and I mean I will say this the longer I was in another country where I didn't speak the language, the more I did kind of feel like uh, as essential as language is, there's something about the human connection that it doesn't, mm. it, it does not matter. Like that it transcends, Cosine. Cosine. it transcends language. And I had so many really powerful moments with Japanese people who are legit, possibly the best humans in the world. I just adore them. They were so wonderful to me when I lived there. And I had so many moments that where we w- we couldn't speak each other's language, but we just understood each other, and somehow we made sense of that moment and just shared it together. and And those are some, honestly, some of the most beautiful moments that I have in my memory. And but all of that said, I would still like to learn French, <laughs> and just I would even more so like to be able to wake up tomorrow and just be able to do it without because right? off the bat, but... I'm terrible at trying to like learn these things. I'm so bad, but I would love to be able to speak another language. How about you? Okay. Well, I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not gonna, it would be Spanish, but we're going to get into that because yeah. it's probably all the same reasons as you. Yeah. But looking at the question, one quality, bangs, it would be patience. Oh, that's a good answer. I wish. <laughs> yeah, that is a good answer. 
Patience. That would be, if I woke up tomorrow and I had the quality of patience, I know it would, it would change a lot for me. A little preamble before we always do this, like, we, we have about 10 minutes where it's just me and you just shooting the shit. Mm. Um, and we were just catching up and talking about the process. And it's a big component in both of, like, in the thread between us, actually, it's really, I would mark that as understanding the process of the beginning of our friendship and you just always continue reminding me and me having faith and sometimes battling in what that process is in my life. But I know if I had more patience, it kind of wouldn't be an issue. For me, not wanting to have answers now and to work through them, me with people, sometimes I can be a bit short-tempered with people. I wish I had more patience in some of the friendships, some of the relationships, some of the situations I'm in and with myself to just settle. Yeah, mm. that would be the quality. Yeah. Maybe I people have been telling me I need to meditate, but maybe that will that would help that. But yeah, it'd be patience. A lot of situations I think about now are like shit Lamara. If you just woulda chilled the fuck out. Yeah. Things would have been different. You would appreciate something a bit more. I hear you on that. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Patience ain't my strong point either. Right, it's a virtue I don't have. All right, next question. What do you value most in a friendship? Oh, honesty. Ooh. Honesty. You know what? Like, I'm thinking of one friend in particular here. My best friend. There's honesty we have with each other where it's honesty without judgment, which is, it's just a quality I really favour with how we interact with each other. Honesty is really important to me. To tell me, to t- like telling me how it is, for me to tell you how it is, to have things without judgment, so you're truthful to me. Um, honesty is very important for me, that you've got my back. You know, I think it's been really interesting. I've been talking, actually, it's, it's funny you asked this about the value in friendship, about friendship lately, um, in terms of move to a new country. Bruv, it's really funny who picks up the phone to holler at you, you know? Oh, you find out who your friends are real quick. You find out who your friends are quick. Yeah. You know, and there's some friendships where it's like, Lamar, you know we've never needed that 24-7 check-in, that we're okay as we are. But I would be amiss to say if I haven't felt let down by a few people who I thought I would have heard from a lot more, or maybe vice versa. Shit, I put myself out there, put myself on the line. So I think it's friendship and having your back knowing that in some way like you you're you've got me have you got me you know honesty got in, having my back and um and trust those mm. those would be what I, I value most if I can't laugh with you as well like we're not friends yeah what are we doing yeah yeah what about you interesting yeah that made me think but what about you trust first and foremost yes yeah. yes that's massive for me if I can't trust you that's it I can't fuck with you as a person I just have, I don't know, and I don't know why I feel so strongly about that. I've tried to analyze that a few times in my life. Like, why does that bother me so much when someone kind of fucks you over a little bit or does something behind your back? Yeah, it it really does bother me. And I have dismissed a fair few people from my life who who can't abide by that one simple thing. And also, just don't be high maintenance. 
you know I'm, mm. I'm not into I've had high maintenance friends so I'm just like uh, listen grow up you know I can't I'm not a high maintenance person I, I don't feel I am anyway as a friend I don't actually really require that much from you I don't need I don't need an excessive amount of your time I'm not going to be on the phone to you all the time I'm a massive introvert so I very much keep myself to myself I'm very comfortable with who I am uh, as a person and so I don't need kind of constant reassurance and stuff from friends that's not necessarily what I need from friends and I understand that my friends have different requirements and I try to be that person for them but I have found that there's some people who we can't we can't mesh as friends because you're mm. really high maintenance and I just I can't give you that as a friend I can't mm. I can't do that with you so I'm not someone that you should necessarily have in your life and um so yeah those are two big ones for me obviously honestly I would like to think that that is that that just happens when you're really good friends with someone right but I don't think that can happen without the trust you know what I mean so I, for me I always that's the main thing um because I'm always a bit, not cagey, I think that's not quite the right word. The feedback I get from most people when they first meet me and then, you know, if they make the cut and they're actually able to be friends with me. <laughs> um, if I'm, information. You know, most of the feedback I get from people is that I am not necessarily standoffish, but everybody found, finds me a bit kind of like I'm always trying to suss people out a little bit at first, you know. I but I think... Because you said honesty and, and trust is really, is important to you. I understand why you have that stance. Yeah. It's the it's a bit of the opposite with me. Like, I, I correct me. There's something about knowing you don't want to get burned and assessing a person versus letting everyone just run amok in your life right. and then being exactly. some type of way after. Yeah, exactly. I, I err on the, on, on, on the latter. Yeah. I think if I had a bit more caution, sometimes in... I think for me with friendship as well, it's sometimes I feel like I'm giving pieces of myself to people that don't deserve it. Right, exactly that. Exactly. And that's that. the thing I think you're trying to say. So yeah. that's why you're, you know. Yeah, it's, it is that. You're right. It is that. Yeah. Next question. How do you feel about your relationship with your mother? Fantastic. <laughs> I, feel, I feel great. I feel great about it. No, I have a. My mother's. I know she's awesome. the champion in many, many ways. She really is, and my and my father. I hate the way that dads always get missed out of these questions for some reason. <laughs> Both my parents are absolutely. I've said it many times. If they weren't my parents, I would want to be friends with them. They are fantastic people. Have had my back at every single moment in my life. I can't think of a time when I didn't have that. I'm going to get emotional even talking about it. But they're just fucking great people who, yeah, um, <laughs> they're just great people who I'm very lucky. If I if I could, if I could be born again, I'd want to be born to them. They're great people. And you, let's move on before I get. <laughs> Don't you get me going? Yeah, let's change the question. Mother and father. So I, I'm a. I grew up a daddy's girl from little, from, from day dot. And I think very early on that created a bit of a tension between the relationship I had with my mother in that, of course, I'm her daughter, but right. the closeness that mothers and daughters are meant to have, we, we didn't have. We really didn't have. I think it was only later on into my, like, teens when I really, I'll be honest, started to appreciate all the great shit my mum does, you know? Yeah. Like, I was, me, it was always me and my dad, like, weekends, 
this, me and my dad go here. I was literally his handbag. Wherever he went, I went. And I think, I wouldn't say I missed out on crucial growing up moments with my mum. She was, I'm, I live, I've lived with my mum my whole life practically. She was always a huge figure in my life. Like a lot of things couldn't happen without her. But that bonding, I don't think I had until I was 12, 13, 14-ish. And then since then, oh my God. Like my, my I, I feel some type of way if I can't talk to my mum at least two, three times a day. A text message or a phone conversation has to go on between my mother and my father and me. I just have that connection with both of them now, which is really strong. I think maturity has a lot to do with it in that I went from being favouring one parent to, to, to not so much not, but then learning like the virtues of life from my mum and her understanding me and us growing together and us having this really positive relationship to where I feel like where I'm at with both of my parents is just they understand how I'm growing up more than before. Yeah. There's a level of maturity that they see in me through my actions, through things I say, through things I tell them. I know honesty is a, a, a virtue for friends, but like, it's really West Indian. Your parents are not your friends, they're your parents. But my parents are, they're my friends and yeah. they're my parents. I understand the line between both. Yeah. But there's an honesty now I have with my parents about things in my life that I never used to before. Right. And I'm really grateful for the level we've reached where it's like, there's just this, I think there's this trust yeah. and this faith that they have in me. Um, and it's purely because of the, the way they've raised me. Mm. I think what's really interesting, the relationship now of my parents is <laughs> I'm parent, their child, even though they'd be like, why are you chatting shit? We're fully competent and, and know what we're doing in our lives. But I feel like as they get older, <laughs> like, shit, now I'm tearing up. What is it about talking about your parents that gets you? Um, I I want to be as there for them as much as I can be now. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. I don't feel right if they're not right. Completely. I yeah, I completely. We have get this that. dialogue of what's going on in your life and our lives and you know, the ups and the downs where I'm like, what can I do? What can I do? Like Lamara step up to the plate. Yeah. Like yeah, you yeah. your parents carried you, it is time for the reverse. Yeah. Completely. So I feel, yeah, I feel very, very strongly that I'm I'm in a good place with a relationship with my parents. And I understand for people like they might not have that for whatever reason. You know, we talked about role models not being direct parents. You know, mm. we talked about things that could affect your family structure. That relationship with someone who you regard in that position is so sacred, you know? I have to say, for me, that's something that I really look for in a partner at this point. I can't, I can't fuck with another person who has a bad relationship with their parents. To me, it's really important. I've dated people who have either no relationship or bad relationships yeah. with one or both parents and and then have no interest in my family life like not even just my parents you know like I have a great family and no no if you date me you date like you're slow yeah like right you know what I mean so for me it's like it's a big thing and I think you know it's it's really difficult because I get that for some people they don't have that that connection but I do think sometimes when I meet people and I'm like but you're an adult though like right sort it out now that obviously there's a huge scale there of like what could have potentially gone wrong to break that relationship so I'm not totally like, I don't want to like crap on whatever you know I, I can't speak to it right but I do know people who 
have had massive fallouts with their parents over some supremely petty shit that I'm just like, you need to cut that shit out. Tell the tell the truth, shame the devil. Your you're parents ain't gonna be them. here. Your parents you're ain't gonna be to here. You're talking to one forever. of them, and I think a lot of my understanding of how I view my parents now is because boy, if them walls could talk, mm. like. Yeah, it hasn't always been rosy between me and one parent or me or both parents or even my parents. Like, again, that's why I had like maturity as being like, there comes a point where you just draw a fucking line under it and you and you move forward because they're not here forever, because they are, that's, it's not worth the petty squabbles. I think in situations I've had, like when me and my parents haven't seen eye to eye and how it ever it's developed, it's just been like, well... How 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 long could this last? Exactly. How long are you gonna stay could, mad for? Just... How long could I stay mad for? Yeah. How long are they gonna show me a lesson? You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, I think that's a great quality to look for someone and a partner. Because at the end of the day, like it just it just doesn't fucking matter anymore. And also that's saying... your foundation. And exactly. so I think it's really important for you as a person. I'm not saying that relationship has to be fantastic, but I am always supremely suspicious of people who shit all over their parents. Like if a conversation about them comes up, I'm like, mm, it's okay, that's your foundation literally in life. So, so I don't know what went wrong there, but I know but that I can't fuck with you as a person because something- Most definitely. Because that, that doesn't definitely. sit right with me. It comes out in repressed ways. Yeah. Like yeah. I've seen it in how men treat their mothers and mm. how they then go on to treat women. Talk about it, but actually, let's not. Because no, that, be, <laughs> that could be a whole uh, other right there. Next question. And scene. Who's asking what? Whose turn is it? I totally forgot. Oh, I, know, I, think I asked me. you about your mum, so you got to ask yeah. me okay, about one. So I'm going to ask you Is there something that you've dreamed of doing for a long time? Why haven't you done it? Yeah. Bada bum, bye bye. Bread making course. Oh, okay. For the longest. Why have you wanted to do that? Just a, a deep love of bread. I share that. I share that with you. But it's my one of my Achilles heels. Um, a bread, yeah, a bread making course, a sweet treats kind of course that involves all good leavened, good sugary, raisin coated, sugar coated oh, shit. Yum. In my dream of dreams, I'd love to own a cafe. Oh, would it have books in it? You know, bruv, Do you not know me? <laughs> okay, so do you remember like? The Ellen show, but her like sitcom where she had. Um, okay, no. What year? Oh, yeah, okay. So before <laughs> your time. Anyway, Google it. Um, Ellen DeGeneres had a sitcom back in the day where it, her character in it owned a cafe, but it was also a bookstore. And it was like my dream. Yeah, continue on. I'm sorry, I just totally stumped no, all over your no. shit. Share the dream because you're probably that. That's mine. Yeah, I, I don't, I've always wanted to. I've always wanted to own something on my own. I've always wanted to own a cafe, a space where people could come, chill, read, and a huge component of that would be all the cakes and the bread and whatnot. Mm. Um, a little obsession I have for bread. If you're come from a culture that has great bread, you rule. So roti, shout, shout out Trinidad, out, shout out Trinidad, <laughs> shout out Canada, um, paratha. All, all of the good ones, mate. So, yeah. fuck it. Throw soda bread in there. All of that. If you come from a, a culture of great bread, I rate you. So, there's. I've always wanted to go on a bread-making course. I looked at them in London. I put the dates in my diary as one I want to do in New York. I've dreamed of wanting to do it for a long time. Why haven't I done it? Uh, money, laziness, and not find it, finding the time. Right. So I always feel like, right, this month, 
it's going to be the month I splash on doing the bread making course and then life gets in the way and I find myself doing something else. Then I don't have time to do it that Saturday. Then I want to do it another Saturday. Mm. So basically, I'm the only one who's been an obstacle of my progress. However, and I'm speaking this to existence, by the end of August, I would have gone and done a bread making basics course. Girl, you said it now and you know I'm going to check in on that. I know, I want you to. <laughs> because like, I've got a pretty sweet set up here. My oven is banging. The kitchen, we have all the utensils. There's something also like, what was the question we asked before? Shame in my memory about ability or skill. Oh, yeah. It involves a craft. It involves me doing something with my hands. Yeah. I think that's something largely of value. Like, if I had the stomach for being a plumber, I would. If I was smart enough to be an electrician, okay. I would. Yeah, I feel but you on I, that. Yeah, having a skill. Yeah. That's a, yeah. Having a skill. So I feel yeah. like I, I want to learn how to make bread. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Um, what about you, Banks? So the thing that I've wanted to do for a long time is trek Machu Picchu in Peru. Wow! That's Shut like up. That's some true, like, bucket list shit for me. I've oh. wanted to do that for so, so long. And... I haven't done it for the typical reasons, time and money. That's the joys of being a freelancer. If I don't work, me not get paid. And I'll get paid. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a bit of a problem. Why might I pitch you? Um, it just looks incredible. It's like this ancient city. And the trek up there is meant to be really difficult. But, I mean, obviously doable because plenty of people have done it. And, I hope so. Uh, yeah, it just looks incredible it just looks incredible and i think i've never been to south america so that you know would tick that box and then seeing like this ancient city that ticks that box and i've never really done a trek and i would also like to do it with friends i've never been on a girly holiday in my life really so i'd like to do it with people i know but also wouldn't be bothered about going by myself like at some if, if it reaches a point where it's like this thing's never going to come together i need to just go do it like i i feel no way about going and doing it myself but i think it would be a very cool experience to share with people i want to have one of those good kind of travel experiences i also yeah. just tend to like i don't really holiday i tend to just like move to other countries so i need to well just... you move into my picture bro <laughs> I'm not going to move there. I'm just going to, I'm actually going to have a holiday. I, I will do it. I will do it for sure. All right. But, but yeah, it's just. Yeah. Likewise, I'm going to hold you to accountability. Thanks, dude. It might take me a few years. I mean, whew, yeah. but yeah, I, it, it will be done. It will be done. Wicked. Yeah. Wicked, wicked, wicked. What, it, it's, what is the greatest accomplishment of your life so far? I hate when they end in life. Like you're meant to judge like 27, oh. 30 odd years is, is it? Yeah. But so far, in this time that you've been on this earth so far, what is the greatest accomplishment of your life so far? <sighs> That's a big one. Man, there's a few I could pick. But I think I'm actually gonna I'm gonna pick moving to Tokyo mm. was probably my biggest accomplishment. Because when I was younger, in my teens and stuff, I was a very cautious individual. And what I mean by that is that even kind of catching the bus into town was quite a risk for me. Like mm. I would be, and this is obviously like pre Google Maps and City Mapper and things. You know what I mean? You were pre cell phones. You were going it alone. Who knew what was going to happen? Um, <laughs> I really was like such a panicky child about stuff like that and in my teens yeah. as well like it was so difficult for me and I used to really get so anxious about even just getting a, a bus to a friend's house that I'd never been to before mm -hmm. the panic that would inflict wow. on me of 
what if I get this wrong? And, you know, I, I, it, was, it was a huge thing in my life and uh, wow. when I was a teenager. Then my parents sent me to Canada when I was 16 um, to spend time with family and also just because I was a raging dickhead at that point in my life and I think my parents were like... <laughs> My parents are like very much over Long it. So, you, so when I finished my GCSEs, they were like, hey, you want to go to spend time with your grandmother for like six weeks for the summer? I, had to, I remember having to navigate Heathrow Airport by myself at 16. And it was so terrifying for me to have to do that. I somehow ended up in the boarding lounge for Tokyo when I was meant to be going to Canada. Like I, even that. Oh, like, so lost moments, yeah. bro. And then obviously ended up living in Tokyo, which was weird. But for me, no. yeah, to have... To have kind of fought through that fear of I'll never be able to do this by myself. And then to pick a country that was so alien, like aliens, the wrong word. Obviously, I, <laughs> I don't I think you. people in Japan are aliens, clearly not. But so completely the opposite of our culture, basically, and not knowing the language. And I'd never been there before I decided to move there. Like, I just literally packed my shit, got on a plane and Crazy. went and did it. And, um, I've never asked you why Tokyo. I've just been obsessed with Japan since I was a kid, and was like, one day I'm just I'm going to live there. I don't want to go there on holiday because I really want to like absorb the culture and learn about it. And I had several moments over. The, I was there for a year, mm. and I had several moments over the course of that year where I literally would just kind of be standing in the middle of Shibuya or something and be like, I'm really doing this shit. Like I'm really yeah, living it. I had like, those moments. I, I had to, and you, sometimes you have to do it, right? You have to like you really do. just let yourself be like, holy shit! Like I never thought I'd be able to do this thing, and look at me here now, just doing this shit. Just doing shit. You know? No, totally. I had a moment yesterday. Just crossing Manhattan Bridge on the N train, and there's a there's a bit where it 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 comes out of the station, and I was like, oh shit, something like oh my God, this is the Manhattan Bridge. And just the view alone, I don't care what the weather or what season is, may that view never be boring. May I never be so jaded that I don't appreciate it. And I think I've had these little, oh my God, shit, I live in New York moments. And it's just very grounding and humbling. Like, I remember, like, you know, doing this too and still doing this. And we spoke at the beginning and we're like, well, you know what, you're like, just do it. Like, just do it. Do it to try take that chance, do this change in your life and just learn to appreciate it for all, all of the bits which it could show you. So that's, that's, yeah, it's not easy. You did it, man. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's probably my biggest accomplishment so far. I mean, I've had others that I would rank up there with that, but I think in terms of what that taught me and a major barrier that I had to overcome and skills that it equipped me with, that have carried me through the rest of where I'm at now. I'd say that was a, yeah, that was a biggie. What about you? Can I do three in one? Uh, sure. There's no rules here. Let's just make <laughs> it up as we go. <laughs> For me, it would be, they're all education related. I was, uh, let's be honest, a little shit <laughs> when I was growing up a bit and rebelled a lot in educational structures, labeled as everything you could be labeled as from attitude to behavioral problem to disruptive to whatnot. All the things they love to call glorious children who want to come of age their own way. Um, And education was a a barrier for me to the point where it was like, Lamara, we don't know Lamara's future from like six, seven, eight years old. 
she's not really going to get to go to the good secondary school. And then if you don't get to go to the good secondary school, then sixth form on college seems like a long shot. And then university is totally out of the equation. In my secondary school was really old school. We had a position of head girl. Um, and long story short, I somehow went from being the kid who was about to be expelled after time and time again of being told you're going to get suspended to turning around and being the kid who was head girl. That was just a really, really weird, weird moment for me. Like, I remember I was I was talking to this about with my mum because I, I wrote a little bit about it for The Guardian, you don't say, about a moment that changed me. And it was this moment. I realised in that moment I wasn't my past. I remember telling my mum what it was like when my headmistress said my name. It was very old school, very like interviews and a board and um, you get told, candidates get told in front of each other the progress. And I, I really think my knees buckled. I really think my knees buckled when she was like, Lamara, you know, you're going to be head girl. From that to then go to university and get my undergraduate degree, from that to get my undergrad, to get my master's, were just real proudest accomplishments, life-defining moment. Not for me, for my parents. Yeah. Like, I give that moment. It was me doing it, but it, it, it's for them. It's always been primarily for them. All education-related, because I just... I really think, and I know, my dad always reminds me, like, you weren't meant to amount to anything, Lamara. Like, a lot of people had written you off. And mm. then to to do those things, I, I'm proud of myself, but I'm really proud that I have that to, to, to give and make my parents stand up a clap at, at things and, you know, put that graduation picture in their wallet like my dad does and shows everyone. Aww. So, yeah, it would be that. It would I be love that. that. Should we do one more? Let's do one more. Okay, which one do you want to pick? Your house is on fire, what would you take? You have one final dash to save one thing, what would it be? Oh, so after saving string your it, loved ones. String is out, by the okay, way. Okay, yeah. After your saving your loved ones and pets. Okay, because obviously yeah. it would Stringer, be... Stringer's fine. Obviously it would be Stringer. Just, what would it be? Final item. I have to say... Wait, which house? Leeds or this one? Well, this one, because all my shit's here. Um, okay. If it was my parents' house, that would be tougher. Okay, I have to be honest and say I'm not a materialistic person, really. I don't own a lot of things mm -hmm. and I keep it that way purposefully. So I think, honestly, as long as my family were all right and yeah. my little dude Stringer was good, it could all burn. I think it could all burn, if I'm honest. I'm not, I'm not going to risk my life to come back. You know, like, I would say, oh, like, my laptop. But no, it's just a laptop. I can buy another one. It's cool. I don't think I have anything. Really? You know what I thought you were going to say? What? One of your, um, your journals or your grandma's letters. Mm. Oh. I mean, no, okay. I don't think I would. I kind of, I've had those letters for years. I've read, you know, I've gotten what I need to get out of those letters. Not that I would wish for them to go up in flames, obviously. And I have wonderful memories of my grandmother too. You mm. know what I mean? I think a, thi a, a thing that I find a really unattractive quality in people is materialism. And mm. I have everything I need is the way I kind of like to approach my life. So I think it, obviously it would be very unfortunate if by some crazy act of God, my house went up in flames. As long as I was safe, my family was safe, my dog was safe. That is really all I need. That's my foundation right there, my family. As long as my family's good and I'm good, like, 
I can rebuild whatever in my life. I don't have a lot of possessions. Like I'm going to risk my life to come in and what, like grab a few clothes and my laptop and some little trinkets. You know what I mean? Like I kind of, I'm not necessarily really that attached to things. I have all the memories in my head. I'm cool. I'm good. I've got that. I'm attached to my people and my dog, obviously very attached to my dog. As long as those are safe, I'm good. I'm good. How about you? I mean, I, I left instructions with my mum about something I want her to take out of the house. Wow, okay. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, I'm, I have a lot of family photos that I've amassed over the years of photos before I was even born, um, of my siblings, of my parents, of me as a baby, and of family members who I'm, I've yet to meet. It exists in a box underneath my bed. If anything, I'd like, like you said, like once the fam's out, like, but that, that is the mad dash. That is the thing I'm going back into the yard for because we lost some photos before. Mm. And I, I know a couple of which were in them, but like, like similar you say to about your about letters from your nan, like I know the memory, I've cherished them, I looked at them a million times. But this set now has become more sacred. I would have to say that. Yeah. We just we just we have tons of like I feel like I'd be dashing all around the house. Like there's a box underneath my bed, there's a picture of my grandparents on their wedding day, which I have like I have to get. Yeah. I would have to get. Um there's pictures in the living room of my nieces and my nephews. It's just pictures. I, I just those are the ones for me me knowing my mum she'd be like could you go back and get that not understanding there's a house on fire (laughs) (laughs) there's a sense of urgency here mum Jesus could you go and get that and could you go and get that and could you go and get that and then yeah yeah. 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 no I feel you and those are all those are important things that obviously you would want to keep you know so yeah I totally get it I do I totally get it oh that was fun wasn't it what fun are kids oh lovely Um, well let's Um, draw a line under that done yeah like we, we did this as well, not only like, hey, get to know us a bit more, but last week we were talking about ask me about who I am and not what I do and talking about the death of small talk. So now you have 36 great questions which you can ask um, your friends, your loved ones, or maybe even new people you meet in whatever professional or personal capacity, just to make conversation a bit better, man. It's a dying, it's a dying art right now. So yeah, enjoy. For sure. Uh, neither of us have words of wisdom this week. Well, I think we've said enough. Like, we've enough had a, yeah. we've done um, enough. But so, find find us on Twitter at No BS Guide to Life. You can email us nobsguidetolife at gmail dot com. You can find us on the web www.nobsguidetolife.com. And you can find me at yeah. Bangs in a Bun on Twitter, Instagram, Everything. and all that good stuff. Where can they find you? I'm pretty sure if they put a postcard in a post at Bangs in a Bun, someone would make it. It would make its way to you. <laughs> Man exists on Twitter. Uh, tweet me at Lemel underscore P. That's where I exist. If, for whatever reason as well, you want to read shit I write, I have a Medium page. Medium at Lemel underscore P as well. That is it. Yay, we'll be back next week with some... No, we won't. We won't be back next week. I like. <laughs> we'll, we'll be back the week after um, with a special treat, actually, for you. Yeah, so join us then. And we'll see you on Twitter in the meantime. Hold tight. Take care. Bye. Peace. 
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.